The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. One of the most amazing things that I know about is the relevance of the Bible, that God still speaks today through the Word of God. It is timeless. It is eternal. Matter of fact, the Bible says it is settled in heaven. Well, we've got a special guest that we're going to interview today that we're so excited about, and it's because it's talking about something that Exploring the Word's all about, and that's the Word of God. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and Alex, uh, the American Family Association has different ministries. One of those ministries is AFR, of course. That's what we're doing now, but another one is American Family Studios. What a great Mm -hmm. job they do, and uh, four years ago, they put out a documentary, award-winning documentary called The God Who Speaks. Seems like I saw a familiar face on that documentary. Well, I had the great privilege, and it was an honor indeed to be a part of that. And in The God Who Speaks, we were talking about the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible is not just an, an old book. It is the written Word of God, the revelation to humanity. And, Bert, I want to tell you, the the final product was so strong and so powerful because a very godly, very gifted crew and staff put that thing together from American Family Studios. And, uh, yes, I was profoundly honored to be a part of that. Well, we have a guest with us today who is profoundly involved in it, is using those (laughs) words, and that's M.D. Perkins. M.D., welcome. Thank you, gentlemen. Good to be with you. It's good to be with you. And Alex, I really am. I I told uh, MD that I was going to do this, and I told you I was going to step back and let you and him have the discussion, this first segment, uh, about the God who speaks. But let me give you this. That way I'll get this in, and then you go ahead with the interview. Not because I don't want to, but let me give a little bit of a hint. My interview takes place with him this weekend. He was our guest on Exploring Missions, which we've already pre-recorded, and it's an awesome, awesome interview. So I said, well, this will give Alex that time. But if you want to know more about The God Who Speaks, you can visit thegodwhospeaks.org. Well, MP, it's good to have you. Yes, good to be with you too, Alex. And uh, so uh, let me ask this question. Why did you and your staff feel led to create this beautiful, exceptionally compelling documentary about the Bible? Well, of course, as you know, everything that we say and do as Christians has to be rooted in the fact that God has spoken to us in his word. And so because of that, it was important for us as documentary filmmakers to be able to incorporate that into into a film and to put that together into a, a documentary form. I mean, there's, there's so many questions that people are always asking about objections to the Bible. I mean, I'm sure you hear this kind of question all the time. You know, was the Bible just formed uh, between, a, you know, a secret council of people in the 4th or 5th century, you know, or questions about how do we deal with the variations that might exist in the manuscripts and some of those kinds of things. And so there were questions that we wanted to deal with from the apologetic point of view. But of course, mm-hmm. as Christians, we also need to be able to define our, our terms carefully. So we wanted to bring in some clear theology on this matter, but also we wanted to be able to present practically 
you know, how do we know the God of the Bible? How do we know the God who has spoken to us in his word? Because the, the Bible isn't just there for us to admire and appreciate. It's actually there for us to, to dig into and to get to know the God who has spoken to us. You know, MD, uh, some great leaders of the past, like Billy Graham and C.S. Lewis, and even as far back as like Martin Luther, said that every generation has to be reminded of the authority of Scripture. You know, every generation of believers needs to get introduced to the fact that the Bible is the Word of God. Uh, so speak to the um, the power of your documentary for this generation, because um, I agree, as much as I love the church, I love the American church, but um, we are a church that could, I believe, do a better job of knowing and living Scripture. So um, I, I believe your docu- documentary is being used by God to do what the great leaders have said, re-familiarize the church with the authority of Scripture. Um, has that been the response you've been getting from people who see it? Oh, yeah, people who, who talk about it, who've seen it and, and interacted with our material on it, um, come back time and time again talking about how it has helped strengthen their confidence in the Scripture, answering some of the questions that they had had Things that, you know, and these are many, many of these are dear people who who have grown up in the church, but there were there wasn't always the strong teaching on some of these matters and things that questions that they were left unanswered to when a skeptic or or even just a child or somebody asks a question, suddenly someone somebody feels like they can't they can't answer that question because they don't have a PhD in theology or they didn't go to seminary or they've never read, you know, a big thick book on this topic. And so part of what we were hoping to do with this documentary is to be able to boil things down for the average common person, the, the person sitting in the pews who is being inundated with all of these kinds of questions and doubts and whether or not you voice them or not. Many people have these things, and we wanted mm-hmm. them to have this sense of confidence that God has spoken to us in his scripture, Amen. and we can hey, trust it. Before we go too much farther, if you're just tuning in, this is Exploring the Word, Alex and Bird here, and we're talking with M.D. Perkins about this incredible incredible uh, film called The God Who Speaks. Um, MD, where can people find it? Please go to thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org, and you can watch the film for free through our AFA streaming platform. You might have to register if you haven't done that yet, but it's free to do, and then you can watch the film there online. Or if you're somebody who likes to have a, a physical DVD, you can uh, you can give a small gift to the ministry and be able to receive a special edition DVD set that includes mm. the movie as well as a, a Sunday school curriculum that goes along with it that we produced. And, you know, at our conferences, we've uh, promoted it, and I've urged pastors and leaders, and many have said that this really was great for their church— Look, show it on a Wednesday night or, or, or a Sunday. Show it in your small groups, in your Sunday school class. People can show it in their home. Yeah. Goodness, uh, invite some people to your home that, that don't know the Lord and watch this and discuss. Um, I, I know this is a great educational tool for believers, but I think it's a great evangelistic tool to show a lost world that in the Word of God they can meet Jesus, the Son of God. Oh, absolutely, because many, as, it, as you engage in evangelistic opportunities with unbelievers, many of the, the kinds of objections that they will raise are usually very surface-level objections that are easily easily dealt with. And that's, that's what so much of this, this, um, this documentary is about, is about help, helping to answer some of those objections. Of course, we trust in the Spirit's work, and we have to communicate Christ to somebody, 
But if there's a way that we can remove some of those stumbling blocks that someone might have, I mean, this documentary is a great resource for that. Um, who are some of the people? I, I was very privileged to be a part of it. I, I thank you for that. Yeah. But who are some of the other voices that people will hear as they watch this, MD? Well, hopefully there's voices that are very familiar to people, names like Alistair Begg or Frank Turek or Erwin Lutzer, Josh McDowell or Kevin DeYoung or John Oswalt or Dan Wallace or Al Mohler. And then, um, you know, we were privileged to have some of the last interviews with the late R.C. Sproul and Norman Geisler before they passed into glory. Wow. You, you know, you mentioned um, Daniel Wallace, one of the great scholars in the world. Folks, just think about this. I was debating uh, one of the premier atheists, uh, and I, I said, are there any Bible scholars that are conservative Bible believers that you do respect? This particular atheist, one of the top three atheists in the world, he said, well, probably the best Bible scholar in the world is Dan Wallace. And he said, that's one guy that I wouldn't debate. And I later told Dan Wallace, I said, hey, you got a compliment, because, you know, uh, even this particular atheist says you're the best Bible scholar in the world. Well, this is a man who affirms that the Bible is the Word of God. So you've got um, a roster of the best names out there, MD. I've got to ask you this. Making the film and editing the film, um, are, are there any things that you learned that uh, were especially powerful in your own life that, that you came across in the context of filming this? I think one of the biggest takeaways for me was just recognizing the incredible treasure we have in the Scriptures. You know, knowing that God has communicated to us in His Word and the documentation of the history and the historicity of the Bible. I mean, that was one of the points that you brought up, I remember, in your interview, talking about uh, the historical elements of that and the fact that we have history is such an amazing thing for us. And all of the, you know, the, the Bible's been described many different ways as an anthology or as a library. And that really is so true. I mean, there's so many different types and styles of literature, so much history that's covered in there, the theology of the New Testament, uh, the prophecy and the, the visions of the end things, all of those, all of that uh, material is there to help us to know God, to trust God and to love him and obey him. And it just, you know, seeing the big picture of it, Alex, for me, was was just such an incredible thing. And it, it reminded me of how easily it is for me to neglect the Bible, you know, because I have the Bible. I have it sitting here, you know, right beside me. I wake up in the morning and the Bible's right there. And how easy it is for me to just kind of go about my day, even because I know it's there. But, you know, when we think about some of the great Christians in history and the ways in which God has worked in other people over time and the ways that those early Christians just cherished the Bible and would would yeah. long to hear the words of Christ. And you even hear this from missionaries these days where the Bible comes in their own native language and they, they're just hungry. They want to sit for hours and, and hear it preached and discussed and, and to think about it. It just, you know, I, I needed to have that kind of step back as a believer, you know, to, to realize yeah, there is an incredible privilege that we have, but to not neglect this amazing book because because God is there to speak to me, and I need that. I need that as a believer. I need that as a non-believer. I need that as a, as a human being to know the creator of the universe. He's right there speaking to us. Amen. Amen. And again, people can find this and, and, and get this for themselves. How? Go to thegodwhospeaks.org, thegodwhospeaks.org. Go there and, 
and sign up for the, the AFA streaming platform and watch the movie for free on that or give a gift to the ministry and receive a, a special edition DVD set that includes the DVD as well as a Sunday school curriculum. Wow. Wow. And, and you know, you mentioned R.C. Sproul, goodness, uh, who we love, and he's in heaven now. Um, but Sproul, and, well, and Norm Geisler, incredible, brilliant PhDs, or, you know, yeah. educated men of, men of God, but they gave their life and their abilities, their intellect, their scholarship to defending that the Bible is the Word of God. And uh, MD, wasn't it just inspiring to meet these people, um, like you mentioned, Frank Turek and Dan Wallace and Josh McDowell, and of course, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, goodness. But they were motivated to give their life to defending the Bible because they were so sufficiently convinced that, look, this is truth, and in the Bible you find the way to heaven. I mean, that that's powerfully inspiring, isn't it? It is, and that's exactly why we picked them for the documentary. You know, I, we sought out people who had really staked their lives on these truths and had had written about it and talked about it and even, you know, risked, you know, fame and some of those other things in order to defend the truths and the, the veracity of the Scripture. Well, um, let me ask you this. What's been the response of people who have seen it, MD? Uh, what what kind of feedback have you gotten? Well, there's people are being encouraged by it. People feel like they are being strengthened and enabled to have these conversations with uh, with people, and uh, and some people are even questioning whether they're in the right church because the Bible isn't being presented in the way that it really should be. Wow. Hey, Bert, this is compelling. I, I want to see it all over again. Amen. It is not only good information, it is beautifully done. MD, thank you for being with us. Yes, gentlemen. thank you. Stay tuned. We're going to be back in Proverbs chapter 20. Don't you go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer. Justice Breyer has served nearly 28 years on the United States Supreme Court and will be retiring after this current term. Psalm 33.5 reminds us of the importance of justice. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Right now with this in mind, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Justice Stephen Breyer as he finishes his final term on the U.S. Supreme Court and that he will enjoy a peaceful retirement. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. As our children grow, the signs of physical maturity are pretty easy to spot. But Dr. Tony Evans says spiritual maturity can be a little harder to track. He'll tell us about one important benchmark today as we spend two minutes with Tony. The proof of maturity is your ability to discern, he says, to look at things through spiritual eyes, not just through physical eyes. If you put a baby on the floor on a carpet, And over here, you put diamonds. And over here, you put shiny marbles. And you put the baby right smack in the the middle. There's diamonds over here, 
there's shiny marbles over here. In most cases, the baby is going to gravitate to the shiny marbles because they'll have more of an appeal. They won't gravitate toward that which is of the greatest value. See, the diamonds for a mature person is where they're going to go. But for a baby, value doesn't matter. Shininess matters. We live in a world of glitz and glitter. We live in a world of shininess. And we've been duped, tricked. Because it looks shiny. It looked good. But it was human. It wasn't divine. But unless you have spiritual eye, you won't discern that. You'll just look at the external and be drawn to it. Because he says the mature don't just look at things physically. They look at things spiritually. They look at things through God's eyes. Developing that kind of spiritual insight often starts by going back to square one in your faith. Check out Tony's CD series, Divine Reset, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Exploring the Word, Birdie and Alex with you. We enjoyed that interview with M.D. Perkins concerning the God Who Speaks, and it is a documentary that American Family Studios did uh, four years ago, and it's a re-release, as they call it, and it's a 90-minute documentary. You can get a hold of it by going the, to thegodwhospeaks.org, and uh, thegodwhospeaks.org. It will be well worth your time. Well, it's worth your time today also to tune in and listen. Hey, I like that word, tune in. And yeah, uh, yeah isn't that an old-fashioned word? It's sort of like dial the telephone. What's dialing, Papaw? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, but uh, chapter 20 of the book of Proverbs, and let me read one verse. We'll just have one segment to cover it, so we're going to, we really must hit the high spots, but I want to highlight verse 12. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord had made them both. Uh Alex, uh, didn't say anything about the mouth. Why does God give us two ears and one mouth? Well, uh, I've always heard it said we're supposed to do twice as much listening as we are talking. I was taught and that as well. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? Um, there's a very brilliant defender of the faith named William Lane Craig, sometimes right. called Bill Craig, C-R-A-I-G, and he makes an argument that is, look, God must be a personal God because he created persons. God can see, God can hear, God can know. Why? Because God created people that can see. God created people that can hear. And when you read these verses and it talk about the, the seeing eye and the listening ear, God made them both, well, that shows that, um, look, we're made in God's image. Uh, we can love. God is love. You know, we can know things. God is all wisdom. And so we serve a personal God because one of the ways we know this is he created persons. He did. Well, let's read uh, again. We will have time to read them all and go over, but I do want to return to chapter 20 of Proverbs, verse 1. And I just we're not going to spend a lot of time here, but just a little time. Wine is a mocker, 
intoxicating drink arouses brawling, and whoever is led astray is not wise. If you're not wise, does that mean you're foolish? I'm afraid that would be the conclusion. <laughs> well, let me give you these verses, and then you can say what this is what I wanted to say about that. Proverbs really warns against the evils of alcohol. Uh, it says That's in true. chapter 21, verse 17, that it leads to poverty, and it produces wounds, gossip, and red eyes, according to 23, 20, chapter 23, verses 29 through 30 of Proverbs. And then it says it is a deceiver and harms people who drink it. That's in 23, 31 through 32. And it fills a person with lust, and it can and does lead to adultery, 2333. And finally, according to 2335, it's addictive. I'll return to it again. So uh, listen, the use of alcohol, uh, again, the Bible doesn't say thou shalt not, but it sure does warn us against it, Alex. That's right. And you know, Bert, I'm not legalistic, you know, uh, but let me just say— I'll put it this way. Alcohol, um, it's it's certainly not going to draw you closer to Jesus, and it can definitely lure you away from Jesus. So why why start? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm only speaking for myself here, and, and I know we are free in Christ. The Bible warns against drunkenness, but I don't know. I think uh, it's not going to help, and it definitely might hurt. So the best way to have victory over it is to never get started in the first place. Amen. I could not agree with you more. Let's let me hit these. And if I go over one, you want to go back to, but I did verse three is pretty powerful. It is honorable for a man to stop striving since any yes. fool can start a quarrel. I, I, <laughs> that is pretty powerful. It is powerful. And again, uh, Proverbs really does go in the difference of wisdom and foolishness, and here it is, honorable for a man to stop striving. You don't have to do that. Uh, you know, a word fitly spoken, or I could say a word not spoken may be the thing that needs to happen, Alex. Bert, and, and that's not weakness. In fact, to avoid a quarrel or to smooth things out and to stop an argument, I mean, really, not only is that not weakness, it's actually a, a sign of great strength, isn't it? It is. Uh, let me... <laughs> Verse 11, uh, uh, we're, we're hitting the high spots. There's uh, 30 verses in chapter 20, and we are going over these high spots. Verse 11, don't you love this? Even a child is known by his deeds. Now, I think if the King James Version is by his doings is, is yeah, what I yeah. remember. I, by whether what he does is pure and right, even a child, that puts a child on the basis of being able to be taught one of the greatest men that America's ever produced is a president's son who became president, John Quincy Adams. Now, I know he had some faults. He, was, he could be crash, according to what I said. But at an early age, Alex, one of the most of the things, the language and all the things that he had learned by that age, uh, children, uh, they listen, even they are known by their deeds. What a, a statement. That's why character matters so much. I mean, Bert, you know, the most important thing of all is to open your heart and become a Christian, to be born again, but character. And and I pray for our country because from a young age, children need to be taught morals, character, self-restraint, 
And it does. Very often, the character of a young person is evident, and sadly, the the future probably is evident as well. But, you know, um, Bert, I've got to ask you something. If you've ever bought or sold a car, uh, or maybe gone to an auction sale or something. Verse fourteen. I've always, I've always <laughs> pondered this. Yeah. It is nothing. King James says it is not n a u g h t. It is not. It is not. Says the buyer. But when he is gone, he makes a boast. See. Oh, it's like I don't want to buy this old car. This thing has. This thing's a junker. And then he drives away after he bought the car, and he says, "Hey, look at this great deal I got." You know. Um, I, I want to tell you something. Um, human nature doesn't change. I mean, <laughs> we, we have a lot of electronic devices and maybe some gizmos and adventures, inventions since Solomon wrote this, but human nature is still the same, isn't it? Still the same. And if you don't believe the Bible's not got some humor in it, read some of these Proverbs. And this one, I love the New King James. It says, it is good for nothing, <laughs> cries the buyer. And, and until he's gone away, then he boasts about it. And, exactly. Uh, so, listen, don't be a double-minded man. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth at the same time as someone said, I, I grew up hearing. And, uh, listen, uh, be an honest person. Uh, hey, we've heard a lot about integrity in the Proverbs, haven't we, Alex? Well, we really have. We really have. And the, the Bible says this, There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. In other words, the thoughts and the words of a wise, righteous person. Uh, Verse 18, every purpose is established by counsel, and with good advice, make war. Now, this is not saying make war, uh, but it's saying if you're going to do something, do it with good, informed counsel. Okay, every purpose, now what that means in verse 18, every good plan, every plan of, of God uh, can be achieved or is established or brought to fruition by by good counsel. You know, the Bible says in the multitude of counselors there's safety. We'll get to that. But, you know, I see not only wisdom, truth, righteousness, morals, but also um, just wise decision-making. And very often, to make the right decision, the informed decision, um, it, it's it's wise to get equally godly, people around you. Alex, this is relevant right now with Russia and Ukraine. Right now, we're talking about that. Wise counsel, what's going on? Uh, Russian's uh, army is surrounded certain, and we're wondering what's going to happen. The Ukraine president said, it's not as bad as you think, and others will. You never know. So this word here, by wise counsel, wage war. That's why you want a commander-in-chief, and you want those that surround him to have that wise counsel and a purpose that is good, not just any purpose. What is the purpose? And if that's true with a nation, uh, you know how true it is with us as individuals. I, I would say this also in a church. Uh, uh, you know, you're you're making a big decision, and uh, however you those decisions are made in your local church. It may be a body of elders. It may be the vote of the entire church. It may just be a, a, a few. However it is, get that wise counsel. And where does the wisest counsel come from? The Word of God. Saturate yourself in the Word 
And that's the reason, Alex, you and I both tell people, start reading Proverbs. You're coming up on a big decision. Read Proverbs. Read Psalms. Read the book of John. The reason I say the book of John, Gospel of John, because Jesus has 11 times he is talking with individuals in that, and each one of those reveals something of of the character of man and the character of God. And uh, so there's a lot of wisdom through the Word of God, isn't there? Well, there is. You know, Bert, uh, about an hour ago, I had the privilege to be interviewed by the AFA Journal. And we were talking about young people, and one of the questions that was posed to me was, you know, of, of the young people that, you know, maybe they go away to college and some fall away and some don't, some, some kids stand strong for their Christian faith, some kids stay morally pure, and they, they don't become skeptics no matter where they go to school. And so the person interviewing me for the journal said, you know, what's the difference? And, I mean, there are a lot of things we can talk about, the home life and the background and all of that. But of the teenagers that stand strong for Jesus and they, they go the distance in their Christian faith, at least in my experience of almost 30 years of working with teenagers, Bert, the kids that, that stand for Jesus no matter what are the ones that have a daily relationship with the Bible. And, Bert, I would say that goes for any of us. Because, listen, um, there's going to be times that life is good. There's going to be times you're down in the valley. There's going to be times when you've, you've got brothers and sisters around you to encourage you. There's going to be times that you're out there in the lion's den of maybe college or whatever. I'm going to tell you something. Teenagers, grown-ups, the Christians, the disciples that stand for Jesus consistently over the long haul it's your daily time in the Word of God. Bert, I am 1,000% convinced that's what makes the difference. I also want to come in with a real quick testimony in my own life. I was saved as 12, at 12 years old, stayed in church, involved in church. But in high school, I met my wife, Jan, and uh, she had come from a church that they had Bible memorization. And uh, she introduced me. Back then, it's no longer the Bible Memory Association. And, and high school students and, and college students would learn 99, memorize 99 verses every spring of the year. So all during my college age, I was memorizing close, basically 100 verses each year. And wow. I went through that college experience. I was able to, quote, spit out the briars. I was able to discern that is untruth. And it's kind of like David. He says, through your word... I have greater knowledge than my teachers. And the Word of God does that. Now, that doesn't make you cocky, doesn't make you proud. It should humble you. But I am telling you, the Word of God going into a believer's life works. I just want to tell you, it will work if you'll let it. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, speaking about the state of youth, Proverbs 20, whoso curseth, his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. We came across a verse yesterday about the one who chases away his father or 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 curses his mother, um, and that was verse twenty six of Proverbs nineteen causes shame. But but let me say we're in a we're in a time where people do curse their parents. They very often blame their parents for everything, and. It says basically in verse 20 of Proverbs 20 that it'll shorten your life. Now, the broader context of this is, folks, uh, the breakdown of the family. 
the breakdown of the family has diminished quality of life in America and even caused premature, I mean, so much at-risk behavior and then early death. But, Bert, um, there have been cases in the news of kids that kill their parents. And, look, I know there, there, there's a lot we could pray about for our nation right now. But, Bert, when I read these these severe warnings about to curse your parents or to be a disobedient son and bring shame and reproach. It reminds me we need to be good parents, but we need kids that understand respect for authority. Amen. You know some of the signs of the times? You remember that song, Signs of the Times are Everywhere? When you start reading one of them, and it it doesn't seem like it belongs in there, but it's disobedient to parents. It's that not honoring them. Real quickly, where time is running, I want to read verse 27 through 29. It's just powerful. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. Mercy and truth preserves the king, and by loving kindness he upholds his throne. Now listen to verse 29. I love this one, Alex. The glory of the young men is their strength, and the splendor of the old men is their gray head. Listen, uh, have you noticed how God honors youth, but he also honors age? That's, he's an amazing God, isn't he? Well, amen. And, you know, the, the gray head, quote-unquote, really speaks of, of wisdom and maturity and experience, doesn't it? It does, and, and we need to honor that. I read an article recently. It says, seems like the most productive time is age 60 through 70 with so many people. And wow. a lot of people are wanting to retire and sit on the sideline. Uh, no. It may be the time you re-engage and, and follow the Lord. Don't, don't stop too quickly. Amen? Amen. Amen. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex, when we come back, we're going to take phone calls. So you be here with us. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. We all have times of discouragement, but there is hope. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Hey, I have good news for you. God is the God of encouragement, and God has a good word from His Word to encourage you, to lift you up, and to change your outlook. Learn the power of simply having a godly outlook. Join Pastor Jeff Shreve on From His Heart each weeknight at 6 Central here on American Family Radio. There were added that day about 3,000 souls. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The day of Pentecost concluded with 3,000 converts being added to the initial body of 120 believers. Then that 3,120 spent time together daily, going to the temple and interacting in each other's homes. They devoted themselves continually to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, sharing meals together, and praying together. 
The 3,120 that made up the early church came from Turkey, the Middle East, and Africa, and included Arabs and Romans. In addition to the geographic and ethnic diversity, they also spoke different languages. Yet they were made one family in Christ Jesus. Scripture has the answer to the issues we face today. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Jesus said in John 15, verse 20, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Right now, someone on earth is suffering deeply because they follow Jesus. People are languishing in prison right now for their faith in Christ. Some are being beaten and taken from their families, but they will not forsake following Jesus. Have you committed your life to Jesus Christ no matter what? Will you follow him when it hurts you or when people don't understand, when your family rejects you? Jesus promises that you will be persecuted if you follow him. He has also promised to never forsake you when you stand for him, even when it's hard. It's worth everything you have to follow Jesus. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio some lines to a song. I, I just love that. Nobody but Jesus. May Jesus be seen in my life. That's a prayer. I hope it's your prayer. Well, we've got lines open, so you can call. Alex and I love to talk with you. We'd love to hear from you. And that number is 888-589-8840. Let me give it to you again. 888-589-8840. We want to go to the phone lines. And Alex, man, I'm ready to talk to whoever is on the line. Are you ready? Well, let's do it. We're going to go to my home state of North Carolina and speak with Josh. Josh, thanks for holding. You are the first caller on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Oh, thank you. How are y'all doing? Doing Good. well. Good man. to have you. Um, I got a question. I um, in um, Genesis when the serpent tempted Eve to eat of the apple. We know that is the devil. So when did Lucifer fall from heaven and become the devil? Okay. Alex, we have two points of we know kind of the details, but do we know the exact time? Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14, they give a yeah. lot. I, I believe I, I believe they're accurate in telling something about Satan's fall. Uh, did it happen? It seems like in the earth was good. Uh, did it happen after creation? Well, you know, I think it probably happened before creation, and we just don't know. Remember Jesus said, I, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I mean, he was ejected. 
cast out of heaven. And, you know, verses like in Isaiah 14, it talks about uh, Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, how you have fallen from heaven. But Lucifer was an angel. He became prideful. He wanted to overthrow God, and he um, deceived and conned one-third of the angels into joining him in, in a failed coup attempt of heaven. I, I think one of the preeminent passages is the Isaiah 14, uh, but um, they were kicked out of heaven, and I think they were maybe lurking back in the shadows as creation happened, and since Lucifer, Satan, and those demons, since they couldn't kill off God, They've tried to harm and debase those made in God's image, Bert. Um, But that's about what we know, but really the chronology of it, the Bible isn't clear. But do you know what Benjamin Franklin said? If there's one thing empirically proven by history, it's original sin, or meaning that people are born with a sin nature. So I, I don't know that we know all the details about when, but we certainly look around and uh, we see the effects of Lucifer's fall, don't we? We do. And I, I just want to speak a word about heaven. I don't know exactly everything we'll be doing in heaven. It's a society, no doubt. But having some of these questions answered <laughs> will be heaven to me, Alex. You know? Uh, Amen. Listen, we wrote, we wrote a book, 100 question, Bible Questions and Answers, mm-hmm. and uh, we get— but let me tell you, like there's a hundred that we know the answers to, there's probably a hundred that we don't know yet. And uh, so uh, we, there's, and, and that's the probably, God we serve. He's just, he, he, listen, there's this passage here in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, you're a man and not God. That we've yes. got to, we've got to remember that. Yes, God dwells in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, but we're still a limited created being. And uh, so, Alex, there's going to be a lot, a lot to find out one day, isn't there? Well, there is probably some good questions to ask we didn't even know to ask. But, <laughs> Josh, thank you. Uh, we're going to go to Kayla in Arkansas. Kayla, welcome. Hi, Bird. Hi, Alex. Um, I, I just want to—one of my favorite verses, especially in exploring the Word, I think uh, Proverbs 4 and 7, wisdom— is the principal thing. Therefore, get it. <laughs> um, and I think that's, it's real crucial for us uh, if we're going to dig any deeper. I, I think we need to we need to start with wisdom for sure. Um, but I do have a question. Uh, I, I'm doing the chronological study of the Bible, and oh, I'm just I'm loving it. Um, but I got to Job here several days ago, where he wrestled a man, but the Bible never told us. I, who that man was up until now we've come across the angel, an angel of the lord or you know the spirit of god and he come in the burning bush he come in many different forms but this and and bert this may be one of those questions i may have to wait till i get to heaven <laughs> to find out but hey you'll have to stand that, in line with me kayla <laughs> i think so <laughs> what is your opinion who do you think this man is that god himself is what i'm thinking there's how many times is it mentioned in the Bible, Alex, about wrestling with God? Let me see. Jacob did, right? Jacob and Job. I yeah, think. those are the two that I come to my mind. Were they wrestling yeah. the Lord Jesus or was it one of his angels? 
Well, you know, um, I think probably in contending, you know, the King James uses the word contending with his his maker in places like Job 40. Um, I, I think it had to be a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Would you agree? I, I believe so, because that's what we do right now. Like the Holy Spirit of God, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is convicting some people who are listening to Exploring the Word right now. He's convicting them that they're lost and they need to be born again. And so there's wrestling going, putting it, you know, contention, Alex. There's something going on, yes or no. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit is going to keep on. And, and with that in mind, I think you can transport that back to the pre-incarnate of Jesus wrestling. I think it would be. I think that would be the answer. And, and you know, one of the questions that not only Job wrestled with, but I think people of all eras is is why you know god why is this happening you know you and i've talked about the fact that part of job's trials were to silence the accusations of satan and we don't know always know why but we know who and if we get obsessed with the questions of why it'll it'll cause us to miss who and the answer for our our suffering in life is who do we need? We need Jesus, who's always with us and always for us, Jesus. Amen. And, and I think the who is more important than the why. I agree. Amen. He is a friend that sticks with you. Come to him knowing. Thank you, Kayla. Well, in Texas, there's Linda. Linda, thanks for holding. Welcome to the American Family Radio Network. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for um, listening. Yeah, I just had a question about um, Genesis 6, um, maybe uh, 3, um, where God says um, uh, daughters were born to them, the sons of God, saw the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Like, is God referring to... Um, to men people like he, he, regular humans because later he said the nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of god went to the daughters of men and had children by them um they were heroes of old men of renown i don't know what all that is it human beings or half? linda thank you this is one of the most common questions that we get and Alex, uh, who was it said this is some of the most difficult verses to interpret? You, have, uh, um, yeah, um, one one of the scholars that um, he wrote a book called Objectivity in Biblical Interpretation, and I can't call his name right now, but a great Bible scholar said that this is one of the most difficult passages. Now, let me just say I'm going to give a scripture we don't always quote in relation to this, but the the Nephilim. The sons of God looked on the daughters of men. Were these like demons trying to procreate with human beings and make some unredeemable hybrid race, or were these just carnal men? In Matthew 22, uh, Jesus said this, Matthew 22, 23 through 30, he said that in, he in the resurrection, um, we neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels in heaven. Now, in that culture, marriage invariably meant um, physical activity and procreation. So clearly, I think, Bert, from Matthew 22, uh, 
29 and 30, we can see that um, angels don't procreate. So um, this is not definitive, but if, if angels can't procreate with each other, I think it stands to reason that they couldn't procreate with a human being. Um, and, and I think um, chromosomally it would be prohibited because, you know, uh, the Bible says everything reproduces after its kind. And just like um, certain animals can't breed with each other, um, to procreate, the genetics have to work out. Now, I, I think there could be a demon-possessed human that procreates with a human. But, Bert, I've just never been convinced that the Genesis 6-4 meant angels or aliens could uh, reproduce with human beings. I lean that way as well. And you remember when we try to interpret Scripture, we look to see what's before, what it says, and what comes after. Look what comes before. The genealogy of Adam. Chapter 5 is filled with these men the sons of men, men that went after God, some that did not know God, and then that followed when men began to multiply. So, Alex, I, I tend to agree with you again. I, I really believe that. I thought of something while you were saying that. You remember Samson, uh, his mom and dad wanted him to marry a good Jewish girl, you know? Yes. And uh, he went down to a foreign country, and he saw a a a woman, I, I can just visualize, she was beautiful, and she had all the things. She wasn't dressed like the modest Jewish woman was. She was provocative, and he comes home. He says, I want her. She pleases me. Mm. Uh, Alex, uh, I think that's where these men got off track. The, yeah. You know, they, they looked at something in place of pleasing God. It was all about pleasing themselves. Let's talk to Jake in Texas. Jake, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, yes. go right ahead. Yes, um, I was I had a question about Romans chapter 8. I forget what the thing is, 30-something, about how, you know, like you're in God's hands and nothing can separate the love of God for you. You know what I mean? Like no demon in hell, you know, no height or death. You know what I mean, that verse? Yes. Yeah, that's um, a beautiful scripture. Yeah, I love it, but I remember the verse. It's a great scripture. However, my question is, if you're a backsliding Christian, you says that Jesus is married to the backslider. That's what I was told, that he's married to the backslider. Because if you're a backsliding Christian and you die in sin, do you still have salvation? Let me, J Jake, you got two verses. One of those that you said about being in God's hand is from John chapter 10. We're in God's hand, and no man is able to pluck you out of his hand. Uh, God and the Father are, are one. So, Alex, backsliding is serious. You don't want to appear that. You don't want to go to God that way, do you? You want to get things right. Now, that should yeah. be your desire. Uh, it, does the Bible teach, and hopefully have one uh, time for one last question. I want to get to Dana in Texas if I can. But I would say this. The Bible does not teach continual backsliding, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, and this is an area where equally good, godly people disagree. In fact, do you know what? In February, I've been asked to be on a panel discussion uh, about the subject, can we lose our salvation? Now, Bert, as I understand Scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 and other passages, Ephesians 2, 8-10, when you put your faith in Christ, 
your position changes. Imagine on the highway there's two lanes. One is death, one is life. Uh, if anyone be in Christ, he's a new creation. You've passed from death unto life. Now, um, Christians can sin and backslide. I think one of the keys, though, if you're truly born again, you'll feel bad about it. The Holy Spirit of God will convict you, and you'll want to repent and come back. But if you died in a backslidden condition, the truly born-again Christian would still go to heaven. I think they, in the spirit of 1 John 2.28, they might meet the Lord ashamed, but they still would, would be in heaven. Yeah, so what you want to do, you want to live your life in such a manner that those who are left, they're not questioned. I've had loved ones, uh, they claim to be saved, but they had lived away from God most of the time. Uh, you Hey, give full assurance not only to yourself, but to those that are wondering where did they go after death. Hey, Alex, I, I pressed the button for Dana in Texas. Dana, I saw your question. Ask it real quickly, if you would. Thank you for calling. Oh, oh yes, sir. Real quick. Yes, real quickly. Thank you guys for making a difference in my life and uh, for ASR and y'all uh, being instruments used by God to grow my faith. My faith is growing, and I appreciate that. My quick question is, Bert, I heard, I heard you mention uh, BMA, and I grew up uh, doing a Bible Memory Association, and then for our reward, we went to Ringgold, Louisiana for our Bible Memory yeah. Association camp. So uh, fond memories there. Real quick question. Do you know um, if there's anything that has replaced that so we can uh, raise our children or our grandchildren in a Scripture memory? If it has, I have not found it. And I went to that same camp. I may have been there when you were, Dana, just didn't know it. But it changed my life. I do not know. But you can. A lot of local churches do what they call Bible drills, uh, especially in Southern Baptist churches, which Alex and I, uh, we're in that denomination. They do Bible drills where they do memorize Scripture and they learn to use the Bible. What an opportunity it is to memorize the Word of God. Hide it in your heart that you may not sin. Dana, good memories about Miracle Camp in Ringo, Louisiana. Thank you for making that memory mm. come back to my mind. Well, Bert, um, Awana used to, and I'm assuming, I hope they still do, they, they yeah. used to maximize on Bible memory. Awana programs, they memorize Scripture. They sure do. And uh, you can do it in your own Sunday school class. You can make hey, just make it this way. Give an award for it. Yes, memorizing Scripture is good, but award it. Hey, join us tomorrow for more of Exploring the Word here on AFR. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.